Father, we are thankful that, that our past can be erased, Father, that our sins can be forgiven, Lord. It doesn't matter what is, has gone on in our life, Lord, that you are willing to forgive us of it and, Father, be able to make us right in the Father's eyes through your death and resurrection, through having you as our personal Lord and Savior, through confessing our sins, Lord, that we are able to, to put the mistakes of the past behind us, and Father, and, and put our eyes upon you, and Father, be able to, to look forward to eternity. And Lord, what a uh, great blessing that is, and Lord, we pray that we always count that as, as the, the greatest blessing that you have, have offered to each and every one of us. Lord, I just ask you to be with us today, Lord, as we wrap up this mini-series, Father, on the, on the Lord's Prayer, and Father, and what we're to, to do after amen. Father, as we went through the verses, Father, we saw what you told the people on the hillside there that day they needed to, to do before they prayed. But, Father, you went through and showed them how to pray. And, Lord, and today we see what we need to be doing after the, the prayer. And, Father, we just ask that you will speak to our hearts because, Lord, prayer is an essential part of our walk with you, Father. It's an essential part of our life. And, Father, we pray that it's something that we are using on a regular basis and father and that we use it to as the the way that you have laid it out for us father to be effective and father and to be able to make a difference here here on this earth and father as we looked at last week lord that your your will will be done on this earth as as it is in heaven how about the cross the proud things of christ jesus savior's name amen what to do after amen Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 through 34. I invite you to stand with me if you're able, honor reading of God's word. For if you forgive men for their transgressions, your Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then, then the, your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance in order to be seen fasting by men. Truly I say to you, they, are reward, they have their reward in full. But, excuse me, but you, <coughs> when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you may not be seen as fasting by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will repay you. Do not lay up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up tr yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. <coughs> for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp is the body of the eye. If, you, if therefore your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light is in you is in darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life, as what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body, as, to, as what to, you shall put on it. Is life more, not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet the heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubic to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. 
But if God so arrays the grass of the field, which he is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more much do so for you, O men of little faith? Do not be anxious then, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what, what, with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all of these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. May God add blessing to read him his word. May be seated. <clears throat> what to do after amen? The story is told that a, one Sunday in a small rural church in Texas, the preacher was done preaching and he called on one of the, the older deacons in the church to close the service out in prayer. The deacon slowly made his way up to the to the pulpit, he stood by the pastor there and he bowed his head, closed his eyes and said, Lord, I hate buttermilk. Preacher opened one eye and kind of looked at him over there and you know, wondered where the, the deacon was going off, going which direction he was going with this prayer because you know, with deacons you can't ever tell what they're liable to do. <laughs> but the deacon continued, Lord, I hate Lord. Now the preacher is totally baffled at, at his decision to call on this man to pray on that, on that Sunday to close the service. The deacon continued, Lord, I ain't too crazy about plain flour neither. But after you've mixed them all together and bake them in a hot oven, I just love biscuits. Lord, help us to always understand that when life gets hard, when things come up that we don't like, when we can't figure out what you're doing, that we just need to wait and see what you're making. After you get through mixing and baking, it's probably something even better than homemade biscuits. Amen. His prayer recognized that, that God is in control, that ultimately as we go through life, God is the one that controls everything. And as we've seen, you know, one of the things we saw last week as we went, went through the Lord's Prayer. You know, Jesus said to acknowledge that we trust God, that we trust that, that He's in control, that He loves us, that He has a, our best interests in mind. As we went through there, He, he reminds us of, of the, the undying love that He has for us. And as that deacon got up to say the prayer that, that, that day, he wanted the church to realize that no matter what was going on in their life, that God was still in control, that they could trust God. After the prayer was over, they needed to wait, believe, and trust that God was going to bring good out of all of the, the random circumstances that was going on in their lives. What do we do after amen? We see here what Jesus told his followers to do after the Lord's prayer. Jesus told them how to pray and what to pray for. Then what should they do? We saw in the Lord's Prayer that Jesus reminded them that as a, as a part of the, the Sermon on the Mount there, Jesus told them as the, the crowd gathered together following him there on the hillside, they had seen him healing, they had heard him healing, they had seen him casting out demons, and they are coming to him by the multitudes to see what's going to be next. And as Jesus sat them down there, he, he reminded them that the God already knows your needs. God already knows what's going on in your life. God already knew what tomorrow was going to bring before you knew it and before you encountered it. He knows everything that is going on in your life. He's already at work. 
They just needed to, to come to him, leave their, their anxiety, cast their anxieties to him, as Jesus said, you know, to, to bring their, their concerns, to bring their worries, to bring their hurts, to bring everything that is confusing going on in their life and to cast it to Jesus. We saw last week that Jesus told us to acknowledge God as Father. You know, we need to bring our, our love and our respect and our adoration to Him. We need to, to look up to Him. We need to lean upon Him. We need to trust Him. We know, need to know that He's there for us each and every day and put our faith in Him. We need to realize that nothing catches God off guard. Nothing surprises God that happens in our life. Regardless of what may come up in our life, God is still on the throne of the universe. And not only is He in heaven... But he's concerned about everything that goes on in our daily lives. He's concerned about what happens on our, our Monday mornings or our Friday nights. We see there that Jesus told them to, to uh, pray for their, their physical needs. He said, you know, bring those needs to him, to, to trust in him, to depend upon him. He said there, to, to, as we come to him in prayer, to ask him what we need for that day. Don't ask for anything less. Don't ask for anything more. Jesus was concerned there that if we ask for more and God gives us more than we need, we're not liable not to pray to tomorrow. Now, God, I don't need you today. God, I've got plenty of whatever it is to, to make it through the day. And we'll miss talking with God. Jesus reminds us to pray for our spiritual needs. He wants us to realize our, our need to, to have a relationship with the Father. Our need to be able to have our sins forgiven, to be able to realize the, the deepest need that we have is to have a relationship with Him, to, to bring our shortcomings to Him. And realizing that, that we all break His commands, break His laws, and need forgiveness. We see that if we, we also saw last week, he, he reiterates it this week, that, that if we aren't willing to, to forgive others, that messes up our walk with God. If we hold on to grudges, if we aren't willing to, to offer forgiveness in our life, if we aren't willing to, to imitate Jesus Christ in, in offering forgiveness, then it messes up, it kills our intimacy, our fellowship, our relationship with God. We saw Jesus saying, you know, we live in a sinful, depraved generation. And then we need to pray to God to help us to stand firm against temptation as Satan throws the lures at us, as he tries to get us to, to walk away from God, as he tries to get us off of our, our walk with him, that would give us the strength to be able to stand firm against Satan's traps. And then Jesus says, Amen, and closes the Lord's Prayer. So what did Jesus tell that crowd that day to do after Amen. After we get up off our knees or open our eyes, after we step back into everyday life, what does Jesus expect us to do? First thing we want to see there is he expects us to forgive others. He expects us to forgive others. There in verse number 14 and 15. But if you forgive men for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive them, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Mm. Jesus comes out strong after amen. Jesus comes out swinging for the fences after amen there. Jesus he begins to, to explain a little bit of what he had said in the Lord's Prayer there. Backing up to verse number 12 is in the Lord's Prayer, he said, And forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus is saying here, Christians cannot hold a grudge. Say that with me. 
Christians cannot hold a grudge. Christians cannot hold on to a, a past hurt. Now, Jesus is not saying that you cannot learn from that past hurt. Jesus is not saying that you cannot glean some truths from, from being abused or, or being mistreated or having your heart broken or, or being hurt. You know, Jesus isn't, isn't saying that we can't learn from it. But Jesus is saying we've got to offer forgiveness again and again. Paul talks about it as he writes to the church at Ephesus over in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 32. He said, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. We are taught to forgive one another. Why? Because Jesus forgives us. It doesn't matter what we've done in our life. It doesn't matter how far we've walked away from God. It doesn't matter how extreme our rebellion is in our walk with Him. It doesn't matter where sin has taken us. Jesus Christ offers each and every one of us forgiveness each and every day. There's Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's been mistreated, or has been mistreated all of his earthly life, but he has intensified over the last few hours as he's, he's been arrested his, his uh, friends have betrayed him. They've run off and hid. He's been beaten. He's had the crown of thorns smacked upon his head. He's, he's had nails through his wrist and through his, his, his ankles there. He's, he's been spit upon. But Jesus, as he's hanging there on the cross, says, Father, forgive them. Now, this doesn't have anything to, to do with our salvation. You know, once we're saved, we're always saved. But not forgiving somebody else, once we're a Christian, has everything to do with our relationship with God. It has everything to do with that intimacy that we have with God. It has everything to do with that, that daily walk we, ha we have with God because we're not willing to forgive others. We're not willing to, to move past it. It ruins our relationship, that closeness, that fellowship with God. It disrupts that closeness that God wants to have with us. Over in Colossians chapter 3, verse number 13, Paul talking to the church at Colossae there and says, Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also, so also should you. Forgiving others is supposed to, to spring forth from realizing that God has forgiven us, from realizing the extent that God went to to be able to offer us forgiveness, the extent that he went to in allowing his, his son to die upon the cross or allowing his son to, to be mistreated, the, the, the love that he showed to us, once we have his forgiveness, is supposed to, to inspire us and move us to forgive others. Because ultimately we cannot walk in fellowship with God if we have not forgiven a brother or sister. Again, it doesn't mean that we don't learn from that hurt. It doesn't mean that we, we don't glean something from it, that, that God is teaching us from it. It may need, need as, as Paul did, you know, shake the dust off your garments and, and move on to somebody else. It doesn't mean that. It just means that we have to offer forgiveness, learn from it, but offer forgiveness no matter what the hurt has been. Because ultimately, each and every one of us want to be as close to God as we can. And that means forgiving other people. Is there somebody in your life that you need to forgive? You may be able to justify it. 
You may be able to justify holding on to a hurt with a million different reasons for, for years to come. But is there anybody in your life that you need to forgive? Because ultimately when we don't offer forgiveness, the damage that is being done is our relationship with God, is our fellowship with God. Again, it doesn't cost us our salvation, but it costs us that closeness with him if we don't offer the forgiveness. The second thing we see there is don't serve for recognition. You know, Jesus points this out before the Lord's Prayer, and he points it out after the Lord's Prayer as well. Uh, don't serve for recognition, verse number 16 and 18. <clears throat> when you, whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance in order to be seen fasting by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that you, so that you may not be seen fasting by men, but your father who sees in secret, and your father who sees in secret will repay you. What is fasting? You know, if you were to Google it, you would find a dozen different websites that tie it to, to some type of diet. But ultimately, you know, biblically that isn't true. Fasting doesn't have anything to do with, with weight loss. Fasting is being so passionate about prayer, being so burdened about something going on in your life that you need to come to God, that you set everything else aside, including eating, including drinking, to be able to plead with God, to be able to bring it to God, to be able to spend time with, with God there. It may, be, it may be hours, it may be days. But setting everything else aside, being so dedicated to a season of prayer, that it doesn't matter if it's lunchtime, it doesn't matter if it's supper time, but you, you focused on prayer, calling out to God, wanting to see him move. But here we see Jesus again uses the, the word hypocrites to describe the Pharisees for the, for the third time in these verses. You know, by the time the, the summer on the mountain is, is done, you know, there are a lot of people with a lot of sore toes where Jesus has been stepping on them. But he called them hypocrites be, before because of the way they were given their alms. You know, the alms was, was the money that they gave to be able to help others, to be able to benefit the, the widows or the orphans or somebody that was in need. They were doing it just for, for recognition, to be able to be, get a pat on the back. They were doing it to, just to be praised. And the second instance that he used the word hypocrites there was them praying big, long, eloquent prayers. You know, there's nothing wrong with a, a, a long, heartfelt prayer, but the Pharisees were praying these long prayers with the big words in it just to, to impress people. None of it came from the heart. And now Jesus calls them a hypocrite for the... <clears throat> Anyway, for the, for the third time, because they're coming into the temple there, they're, they're ruffling their hair up, they're, they're bowling their clothes up, they're rubbing a little dirt on their face there, and they're going around the temple. Oh, man, I've been fasting and praying for days. Uh, what day is this? I, I, I've, been, I've been here since Wednesday. I've been here, I've been praying, I've been begging to God, you know, I'm, I, I'm starving now, but I, I, I've been so dedicated to prayer. Oh, oh, everybody look at me at how much I've been praying. Haven't left the temple. And they did all of this, Jesus says that, so that the people in the temple said, man, that guy's holy. Man, look at the, the walk that guy's got with God. He hadn't combed his hair, hadn't brushed his teeth, hadn't eaten anything in two or three days. He, he is dedicated to God. He's dedicated to prayer. And Jesus reminds them, you know, God sees all this. They may be fooling the people in the temple. They may be fooling the worshipers coming and going. But Jesus says, you know, God sees the heart. And Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like those that are, that are, that are 
putting on a show just to be seen. You know, it happened in the, in the temple. You know, it can it happen in, in churches today. The people want, want you to be seen, want to be recognized, want the, the recognition. All they're worried about is, is getting the pat on the back for something that, that they have done. And the only reason these, these men were in the temple was to be praised themselves. Wasn't worried about God being praised. Wasn't worried about God getting the glory and the honor. They were worried about somebody recognizing them. And Jesus looks at them and says, you know, don't be like them. After you've prayed to me, get back to the temple. Get back to worshiping. You know, serve for the glory of God. Serve for the, for the love of Jesus. Don't be like the hypocrites and serve for a thank you. You know, you're so special. Third thing we see there that Jesus tells them is, where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Verses 19 through 21. It says, do not lay up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This could also be tied into being a hypocrite. You know, their priorities were, were out of whack. You know, their attitude about, about wealth, their attitude about, about possessions can, can tell a lot about a person. The Pharisees had the belief that, that if you were financially blessed, that God loved you. That if you had everything in life, that if you had all the, the material blessings in life, that that was a sign that God loved you. If you didn't have it, God didn't love you. In other words, if you didn't have the, the lot of money or the physical blessings in life, you know, God didn't care anything about you. What mattered to them was the, the tangible things of life. They wanted the treasures on earth. And Jesus reminded them there that, that this world and the things here, that are, they're just temporary. They were concerned about the, the fine clothing so that they could walk around the temple so they could strut around and impress people. You know, look at the robe they're wearing today. Look at the purple dye that was used there. Look at the sashes that they've got on there. They wanted to impress people with the beautiful clothing. In their homes, they wanted the, the beautiful curtains up. They wanted the beautiful tapestries on the wall to be able to impress anybody that came by. But Jesus says there, you know, the, the nice clothes, the tapestries, the, the curtains, Jesus says a, a little bug, a little moth will eat them all up. And the time of the New Testament here, tools of uh, stone were no longer fashionable. Men wanted uh, the, the, the metal tools to be able to work with. Wooden wheels on chariots were no longer desired by empires. Empires wanted wheels, uh, steels made of, out of, wheels made out of steel. They wanted weapons made out of iron. And Jesus says, you know, as, 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 as comforting as that is to you, as mighty as that makes you feel, all of us going to rust away one day. And people were worried about the nicely furnished homes and the luxuries that life could afford. And Jesus said, you know, somebody will break in and steal all that. Jesus told them they should be focused on eternity. Focused on serving God here with a pure heart to, to have the rewards in heaven. Over in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 8, Paul is, is talking to Timothy there and he says, and, and instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works. Jesus says, you know, true wealth is measured in what we do for somebody else here. So true wealth is measured in our service to the Lord. True wealth is measured in, in our worship. True, true wealth is measured in, in the, the size of our heart. Over in Luke chapter 12, verse number 21, 
So is the man who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Wherever your priorities are, that's where your time will be. Is your treasures in what you have here and now? Or is your treasures in what you're doing for Jesus? Is your treasures in, in, in eternity, what you're doing for Him, being concerned more about spending all of eternity in heaven or the few years that we spend here on earth? <clears throat> Fourth thing that He tells them there to, to, to do after Amen is look at who is their master. Verse number 22 through 24. The lamp is the body of the eye. If therefore your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Jesus here says that the hypocrites have got a, a problem with their spiritual eyes. He says that, that their eyes were, were coveting money, coveting wealth, coveting possessions, coveting things that they could buy, coveting things they could build. And he says, you know, this is it's what they are, are, are craving. This is their purpose of their life. This is their, their priorities are out of whack. They're seeking the wrong things in life. And Jesus says there that they're, they're living in spiritual darkness. He said they're slaves to, to the master of greed. And because their their greed, they were falling short in their service to God. You know, they were, Jesus says, and anybody that's putting money, possessions, things, other people ahead of their worship, ahead of their service to God, ahead of their walk with God, he says there that they are spiritually blind, walking around in darkness. Jesus said, either you're going to serve me or you're going to serve the things of this world. Either you're going to serve me or you're going to serve money. Either you're going to serve me or you're going to serve possessions. Either you're going to serve me or you're going to serve somebody else. Jesus puts it point blank and says, it's impossible to serve two masters. Because ultimately, one will always come out over the other. Is Jesus the top priority in your life? When we bring our needs to Him, bring our plea, uh, plea, uh, petitions to Him, when we realize that we have nobody else in life to be able to depend upon, does He get your best after you ask Him for what you need? Or does somebody or something else get your best? Ultimately, Jesus says we will only have one master. As Jesus wraps it up there, the last thing you know, is He says, trust God. After amen, trust God. There, verse number 25 through 34. <clears throat> for this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet as your heavenly Father feeds them, are you not worth much more than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single cubic to a lifespan? And why are you being anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. But if God so arrays the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into furnace, will he not much more, much more do so for you? 
O men of little faith. Do not be anxious then, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or with what clothes are, what shall we clothe ourselves? All these things the Gentiles eagerly seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Ultimately, after amen, after the prayer is over, after we open our eyes, ultimately either we're going to trust God or we're not going to trust God. Jesus says here, don't worry about the physical things. Don't make the, the, the physical things a priority in our life. Make the spiritual things the top priority. He tells us not to be anxious about the physical things. Not to worry about this stuff. He says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus says, leave the physical stuff to me. He says, God the Father already knows all of this stuff. You concentrate on getting your life right with me, your walk right with me. After you come to me in prayer, turn it over to me and trust me. And after you say amen, get back to serving me. Get back to getting closer to me. Focus on your relationship with me. Will you focus on your walk with me? The whole focus of verses 13 through 14 that we see there is after amen, is to make Jesus the center of our life. Is he the center of your life this morning? Will you pray with me? Father, we're thankful for Jesus caring enough about us, Lord, to not only teach us how to pray, but Father, but also to remind us of the importance of depending upon you, the importance of of trusting in you, Father, the importance of, of knowing who you are, knowing that you, you care about us. And, Father, some, some things that we often don't think about, the, the wildflowers and the, the birds outside, but, Father, we, Jesus uses them as an illustration to, to show us how much more you love us than, than they do. And, Lord, they continue through life without the, the worries, without the anxiety. But, Father, we just pray that as we, we go through life, Lord, that we are totally in the, and. 100% depending upon you and Father and realizing that you, you care about us, realizing you know about what's going on in our life even before we do. And Lord, and you're there with your arms outstretched to each and every one of us wanting us to, to come to you, to trust in you and Father and to, to through it all put our, our faith in you and continue to worship and to serve you. And Father, we come, pray as we, we go through this week, Father, that whatever it may bring, may we put you first. We pray all things in Christ Jesus, Savior's name. Amen. Keep looking up. Jesus Christ is coming back, and today is good a day as any.